We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Six Man Show on Orlando Magic Podcast with your hosts, Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic Basketball. Five fans, four fans. Go Magic. What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. Today is November 10th, 2022. Jonathan Osborne here. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Luke Sylvia. Luke, what's going on, bro? I'm great. I'm I'm splendid, some would say. Um not much on my end has changed uh since last time we spoke except a, another magic W. Are we getting a little bit more used to these wins now? What, two and two so far in the homestand? I feel good. Uh so three and nine now. I wouldn't say that I'm used to winning yet, but it <laughs> does it, it's starting to feel like we are like just small wins starting to stack momentum like we're getting closer we we talked on the last episode i didn't feel ready to say that we were getting ready to turn like the proverbial corner but it feels like we we might be coming up to the corner we may be starting to peek around it to see if if we're ready to turn the corner and as guys start to come back and the team gets a little bit healthier i'm sure i will start to be a little bit more confident about this team's ability to turn the corner not totally like they're not going to become contenders overnight or I, I don't expect any time this season, but at least to the point where the magic can start playing like 500 basketball on a normal basis. That would be great with me. I don't know about you. Yeah. Um, yeah. 500 basketball would be awesome. I mean, it, it is a little deflate and it's very deflating. Like when we have two wins and we win a game right like tonight and we're like want to be amped up about it and don't get me wrong i'm very happy to get a win where we can get it but at the same time it's like i still look and what we're three and nine like it's like man we got a long like we got a lot of these type of nights to go before we're like actually very confident um i think what was it like recently we were like a game and a half back from the a play-in spot or something now I think it's two or two and a half games back, something like that. So you just have to continue to build yeah, on these two and a half wins. games back right now. Yeah, you just have to continue to build on wins because obviously more games that get played, you keep losing. Like we benefited from it was fun to be like, yeah, we're only one and a half games back of the plan. But at the same time, it's like, yes, there, but there wasn't many games played. 
And we all know that's the reason. So just got to keep stacking these wins. You got a couple winnable games coming up here at home to finish out the homestand. I, uh, I'm, I'm hoping that the Magic can surprise me and build on those. Maybe get two wins. Could we get three, three in a row? I'm almost at the point where I don't want to play winnable games because we don't win those games. And then it's like the games where you're like, especially, you know, we're recording this Wednesday night, especially like tonight's game against the Dallas Mavericks. You know, you go into it with with no Paolo Bancaro and you're like, well, this is probably going to be a loss. And then you're happily, pleasantly surprised with a win. It's almost to the point where I'm like, hey, let's let's play the games that we're supposed to lose. That is exactly what I was telling Lauren tonight when we were watching the game in the living room, we were down like six or eight at one point. And I was like, man, this is the beautiful thing about tonight. I fully expect to lose this game without Palo Bancaro. So anything else is great. We're down six right now. I thought we'd be down 20 right now. So here we are, right? Like I'll take what I can get. And so for the magic to actually win this game, We'll get into it a little more and I'll talk about kind of my thoughts and just the emotion of the last few minutes of the game and how we were feeling at that point, being a team that hasn't been able to close it out. But uh, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, the frustrating thing for me, and I feel like this has been the case for the, the better part of the last 10 seasons, really, is the Magic always have a tendency to play up to competition and play down to competition. When good marquee teams come into town or you're playing against a, a team with a superstar like Luka Doncic, the Magic always seem to get like really ramped up and play really well. And then when you have teams come into town that you know, that you should be you are favored in in one of these games this week, and you should, we said, handily take care of the Houston Rockets, and then you know you're you're down at one point, you know, 17 points in the fourth quarter to the Houston Rockets and you lose that game, it's just when when is that part going to change? Because obviously the roster is completely different than it's been the last decade. You have a, a second-year head coach, mostly young roster. It's like the culture is changing here, but when is that part about being a Magic fan going to change where we are really competitive against great teams, but we lose to the bad teams? To me, that is so frustrating. That and then we all know you can just pick 20 games a year where some random guy or some random role player on the other team is going to drop 20 to 25 on the magic and you're going to be sweating out a victory. You might even lose that game. But again, we'll talk more about the games uh, since our last episode of the loss against the Houston Rockets and then the big win tonight over the Dallas Mavericks. Before we get into that, Luke, something on Twitter changed today that seems to be a pretty, uh, pretty polarizing topic. <laughs> If you guys follow the boys on Twitter, you might notice we got the good old blue check mark next to the name. And I'm not ashamed to say that it is the best $8 that I have ever spent, especially uh, on the internet, Luke. H- how do you feel about this? Like for us, it's like obviously as a small you know, podcast or you know Twitter you know profile, whatever, right. that we've gained a, a decent following over the years. That was one of the milestones that we we had always talked about. Like whenever we become verified, because we would put in a verification request every time we hit like a, the next thousand, you know, Twitter followers, and it just never yeah. happened for us. And now that it's happened, I'm like, this kind of takes a lot of the fun away from it. But I don't know what what are your thoughts on on Twitter Blue and the verification stuff? I 
it, it's whatever. Like, it, if you look at verification, and, and nobody really cares about this, but like, if you look at verification at simplest term, it is literally just verifying that you are the person that you say you are. Like, that's what verify means in this situation. And that's what Elon Musk, who now is making all these changes to Twitter, is doing. He's saying, you want to verify that it's you? Then just pay eight bucks a month and you get that check mark and it is officially you. So there's no questions asked. Like, this is now the six man show. That's the thing. It's not verifying anything. They took my $8 and we got the check Mm -hmm. instantly. There was no verification of the, the, the Apple Pay account that I use doesn't even match the the email address that is on our Twitter account. So yeah. they're not verifying anything. They're just taking your $8 and saying, here's a check mark. Yeah, I think, right. And, and the the funny funniest part to me, Jonathan, has just been seeing people with like sub thousand followers that follow 4,000 people and they're verified now. And it's just like the other one, Jonathan, uh, Ballsack Sports, they, uh, they have like, what 220 some thousand followers but they are nowhere near like a a credible reputable like they should not have a check by any stretch and they know it and they were just trolling all day on twitter today talking about like this is the the this is the you know the lowest point in twitter history or something like that knowing it's because people like him them can get the check mark so it takes a little bit away from it we were looking obviously for that day where we would get that email or response back from twitter saying that we've been verified earned that check and now it's like you can put eight bucks a month but for us it makes sense i'll never do it for my personal doesn't make sense for me but from the our show and in terms of like we're we're, we have a small business here basically it's very beneficial yeah the whole thing about verification is just like you know it it puts you to the top of you know people in terms of like mentions and you know you can send uh, sometimes direct messages to other people who are verified if their DMs are open and then you know your DMs kind of go to the the top of the list there which is beneficial but if everybody is is now you know verified like we said it, it kind of loses its, its, its luster but just found that pretty interesting that was a, a funny thing that happened on Twitter today for those of you that came out to our first watch party uh, at the beginning of the year at elixir, uh, we are partnering with the Magic and Michelob Ultra again for another watch party. This next one is coming up on November 18th. It's going to be at Ollie's Public House in Orlando. That's 3400 Edgewater Drive in Orlando, Florida. Uh, that game starts at 8 o'clock, so the watch party is going to start at 7.30. They're going to have uh, $4.50 Michelob Ultra specials. I believe it's $15 buckets as well. Um, it's going to be a great time. The last one was a lot of fun. Trust me, if you guys were not there, you definitely don't want to miss this one. Um, Luke and I will both be at this one, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Again, that's going to be at Ollie's 3400 uh, Edgewater Drive on November 18th, starting at 730. It's going to be a lot of fun. Make sure you guys come out for that. In other news, uh, if you guys haven't heard already, we do have a Patreon channel. Uh, where folks like yourself that listen to the show and want to, you know, partner with us and and be able to kind of get behind the the scenes looks uh, from time to time. We also have a monthly exclusive Zoom that we do with a lot of our patrons. We shout out all of our brand new patrons uh, on every episode, anytime that we have those. If you want to help financially support the show, you can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show. Again, three tiers of benefits there that you can choose from uh, to help support us. 
helps us do things like giveaways, upgrade equipment, you know, get other resources for the show, everything that we do to help you know, bring you guys more value and to help bring you more content. This episode, we do have a brand new patron, our boy Fredo Nation, who joined to our Hall of Fame tier uh, Patreon here. And then our buddy Drum, who's been a patron for quite a while, uh, but he decided to go the full annual, uh, pay for the entire year up front uh, in our Hall of Fame tier Patreon as well. Uh, the benefit of paying for the entire year up front is that you do get a 15% discount. So if you know you're in it for the long haul with us, just go ahead, select that annual membership, save 15%, and then you're paid for the entire year. So a big thank you again to Fredo Nation and then to our boy Drum. And then every episode, we also shout out all of our Hall of Fame tier patrons. As always, we will start with Court Cousins. Uh, shout out Armin, Carson Tulo, Jonathan Borges, Normal, Magic Player History, Julio, Bailey, Gabe Gaines, Wiffle, Michael Martin, Michael Salapong, Franz, Goated Fichot, Ryan Singh, The Distract, Mo Bamba, Mo Bamba, Yo Mama, Woot Woot, Pierre A, Migzors, Dylan Holden, Mr. Mikey, Lil, Pen, Lil Penny, Drum, Danimal, Dodo 15, Bobby Skinner, Nate Donnelly, Goaty 93, Teddy Sylvia, Breadhead, Eric Lopez, Fuchsia, Juan Geraldo, Bill Fulton, Edmund Ligon, Jose Esquilin, Destined for Greatness, Caleb Pete, Cannibalism, Time Mr. TV, Brandon Grace, Chad 3045, Joe Rothfuss, ESPN Really Sucks, Gear 95 Shred, Junior Barus, Half Rican, and Fredo Nation. Thank you guys so much. Again, find us at patreon.com slash the six man show. Man, that list is getting long. And quick shout out to our boy Jay from Magic Player History who flew all the way across the world to try to be at the game tonight against the Dallas Mavericks. But due to the inclement weather that's about to hit Orlando and the, the airport's being shut down, he wasn't able to make the game. I think he's still traveling to Orlando, is going to be at a game here in the next few days. But, uh, man, just finally gets to come over after all of these years of being a Magic fan. And wouldn't you know it, it's a hurricane in November, which is pretty much unheard of. Uh, that kind of spoils his plans a little bit. So, Jay, we hope that you have a safe trip, uh, you have a good time, and you get home safely, man. All right, let's talk about this game uh, against the Houston Rockets. So, coming into this game, uh, the Magic were 2-8. and eight. The Houston Rockets were 1-9, two of the worst teams in the league. Uh, but the Magic were favored, actually, in this game for the first time all season. And, Luke, I I've got to be real with you. I really expected the Magic to pull out the win in this one. Roll them in this one to be honest which maybe it was just being naive that the that the magic are you know just so much better than the rockets but also like i think sometimes i operate from the standpoint of maybe that the magic are more healthy than they are or that they're more better they're better just because of like i know the talent we have on the injury list like the magic were favored in this game right if they were by like four points or something like that three and a half four points just a game that you are expected to win. Vegas is even expecting you to win this game. And for a team with only two wins at the time, it just felt like a game that you needed to win, that you should have won. And it eventually, in the end, we know we're a long ways away from this point. Hopefully not too long. But a, a great team beats the teams they're supposed to beat. And then, you know, can lose the games that maybe they're not supposed to win. But this team just every night they come on the court, it's a mystery. You know, the game is probably going to be close at this point, but you just don't know which way it's going to swing coming down to the final quarter or in our case, like the third quarter. Like there's just so many different things with this magic team that make it so hard to predict. They're so young and that plays a huge part to it. But 
yeah, you you thought that you would win this game, but I guess not. So now through 10 games, the Magic still, or through 11 games rather for the Magic, they've still played more clutch games than any other team in the league. Uh, tonight they played against the team that has played in the second most uh, you know, minutes with uh, qualifying clutch minutes in the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, but you're 2-8 and eight in those games. So again, the only game that they did not qualify for clutch minutes, which again is five points or less within you know, the last five minutes of the fourth quarter, uh, was that game against the New York Knicks. So um, this Houston Rockets game really was was no different, but it just took the Magic so long to get going in this one. Um, you know, The Magic really, in the game for the most part, uh, throughout the first three quarters, would get it into you know three points, two points, they'd be down by one point, and they just could not make that extra stop, get that extra possession and, and score it and take the lead and maybe shift the momentum in this game just seemed like every time they got close, Houston was just able to push them back a little bit, stay in the lead. And then, you know, the lead grows into the third quarter. And then, uh, you know, in the fourth quarter, they're, they're kind of extending the lead a little bit. The Magic go on a big run, a close of the game. I think it was a two-point game. And then the Rockets go on a big run. And then before you know it, it's like, you know, five minutes left. And the Magic are down by 17. Then to their credit, like they always do, you know, they, they do a, a really good job of, of fighting all the way back. You're down five points with 21 seconds left, and you're just not able to kind of you get. You got to get lucky at the end of the game when you're in that position. When you're down multiple possessions, you know, less than a minute to go, you've really got to get lucky to have a, a real chance to to win that game. And so the Magic shredded again. You know, those last four or five minutes, they played really well, fought really hard. You saw that sense of of desperation, but you want to see that, especially against an inferior opponent. You want to see that from the opening tip. You know, we saw this in the game uh, against the Charlotte Hornets. You know, uh, you know, a week and a half ago at home, where the Magic were zero and six going into that game, and said, "You know what? We just need to win tonight, going away." And they had a big statement win. And this Houston Rockets game really should have been the same, but it just wasn't. And again, we saw the Magic play that zone, um, which is just making Magic fans crazy at this point. Because um, Houston really took advantage of it, shot the ball really well from behind the arc, 48 threes. They made 24 of them, good for 50%. Uh, they shoot 52% for the entire game. Uh, Magic lose 134 to 127 in a game where the Magic shoot the ball well as well. Uh, they shoot 54.9% from the floor, so overall better than Houston, and they shoot 12 of 25 from the three-point line. So just super frustrating when you have that good of an offensive game but you just can't put multiple stops together on the other end uh, to, to lead you know, your team to a W. Paolo Bancara, the rookie, was sensational again. 30 points, 8 of 16 from the floor, 2 of 4 from the three-point line, 12 of 14 at the charity stripe, added 6 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals. The kid is just incredible, um, but it's really frustrating to have that kind of effort and not get the result that you want and end up in another loss. Jonathan, we're going to play a trivia game, okay? So my trivia for you is, it's not really a trivia. It is more of a do you remember. When I'm looking back at this Rockets game from a couple days ago, I said, this reminds me a lot of another Rockets team performance. And this one took place in 2016. This is when the Rockets set the record for the most three-pointers in one game. And the record at that point was 23 set by the 2013 Rockets and the 2009 Orlando Magic. 
the Rockets broke the record in 2016 with 24 three-pointers. The Rockets against the Magic the other night, 24 three-pointers. And it is as easy as to chalk it up to that. That is this game. That the Rockets tied the other night, tied for the six most made threes of all time in an NBA game. And now it is just crazy to see how much, how often teams hit. We obviously know that the three-pointer is as, as wealthy as ever. It is and plentiful all the time. But according to Stat, uh, Stat Muse, the leader is now 29 three-point, three-pointers made, and that was by the Bucks in 2020. But yeah, you scroll down the list. The Rockets are on this list a lot. The Rockets are on this list so much. Uh, the 2020 season, 2019 season, like they're on this list like six times, and there's 30 teams listed. So, uh, or, or 30 games listed, I should say. So, like I said, chalk it up to the three-point line. The Magic not running guys off of it and just allowing them to hit it. Don't get me wrong. Eric Gordon was on that team in 2016 that set the record, and he had seven that game. He had five against the Magic. At that point, like Eric Gordon is is an incredible shooter. It's well-documented. So that's really my only true takeaway besides Paolo Bancaro being rookie of the year. Well, I mean, you know, it, of course, you know, it's impressive, you know, the the amount of threes that they were able to hit. Uh, you know, Eric Gordon for his career, 37%. So, you know, just like above the league average a bit. I, I wouldn't quite say incredible, but you give a guy, he's just like after the third three, He's just like dribbling into these rhythm pull up threes. Like, what are we doing? And then again, the zone was an issue, you know, for you know most of this game. Just like it's been anytime the Magic have gone to it, they still have this issue with being able to close out to the three point shooters. People have attributed to that to our kind of jumbo lineup. My response to that is, if you know that it's not working and you're not able to run it, then don't run it. Like, I understand that you know guys are injured and guys are in and out of the lineup. We saw a lot of Kavon Harris in this game, you know, not RJ Hampton, which is a another conversation altogether. I think tonight was a, another you know, chapter in that story with RJ you know, playing pretty well tonight, but not getting a ton of run, which was, I'm sure it's frustrating for RJ. It's frustrating for me. Um, but it's just like we're, we're making decisions that are quite obviously hurting our chances to win. And it just, that's why people, you know, the motives of the magic come into question. Are we holding guys out longer than they need to, you know, from injuries because we want to lose games? Are we playing guys over other guys, you know, that that should be playing because we're trying to lose games? I'm not saying that's the case, but that's where these questions come from. People are searching for, you know, information. Philip Rossman Reich talks about this all the time. If there's an information vacuum and the team is not filling it, the fans have no choice but to fill it. That's where speculation comes from. That's where these conversations come from. So when it doesn't make sense to us, like why for the eighth, ninth game, you know, we're we're running zone and, and getting killed in it, and where RJ Hampton has has looked better than Kavon Harris for most of the season, and he's getting a DNP coach's decision. Like, what are we doing here? Like Kavon Harris obviously is not the answer tonight. He played, let's see how many minutes Kavon Harris played in this game. He played 15 minutes in this game. RJ Hampton again did not see the floor. It's like, what are we doing? It's obviously not working. Let's try something else. That's been another frustrating thing. There's been a lot of experimenting, you know, with these lineups. But the thing about experimenting with lineups is you also have to realize when things are not working. Against the Warriors, 
Jamal Mosley did a great job of instantly realizing that the zone was not working. They got away from that. The last few minutes of this game where the Magic kind of made this run to come back, yes, they were playing with better attention to detail. They were you know, hustling and, and closing out better. But they also started playing this man-to-man defense where they're switching everything. That you know, they also started trapping as well. That's kind of a just a symptom of end of games when you're trying to get more possessions and, and get the ball out of certain guys' hands. But we know that Jamal Mosley can make these decisions in games. But the decision to stick with Kavon Harris over RJ Hampton was just really weird in this game. But yeah, you let a team shoot 50% from behind the arc when they're shooting 48 three-point attempts, you're gonna lose that game. 99 times out of 100 but it just sucks because this was a game on the schedule where you said the magic need to win this game they should win this game and they lost that game and they shouldn't have yeah um like you said obviously reiterating as we've been saying uh rj hampton not not getting minutes is is ridiculous to me i think honestly tonight was maybe more warranted uh caleb houston we'll get into this but caleb houston looked great and deserve the minutes that he got and he really stepped in in that role um now don't get me wrong still be an argument that you can find some minutes from rj hampton but all that to say yes the rockets game very frustrating again chalking it up to the fact that they shot 50 percent from three magic shot 48 percent. but the difference was the magic took uh and made basically half as many as the rockets it's a trend that we're gonna probably continue to see throughout the season until the magic are able to maybe space the floor even more. Markel Fultz coming in, facilitating the guys that are wide open on the three-point line. Um, the Magic make eight three-pointers tonight against the Mavericks. Like It's going to be a continued theme. And it's unfortunate because in today's game, as we just talked about the history of the three-pointer and how much it has even evolved since 2016, and how many times that record has been beat since then, um, it, it's something that the Magic are going to have to adjust for. No matter how big you know the lineup can be, it doesn't like that. That doesn't matter at the end of the day. If number one, you're not able to guard the three pointer, and you're not able to shoot it. Now you could also argue that the bigs on this team are just as good three point shooters as anybody else on the roster. Between guys like Dell and Bull Bull and Mo Bamba, so we'll see how it continues to go, man. I, I hope that Mosley can scheme up a way that this team can get more open three-pointers, um, but right now it's just super frustrating to see us not only give up a ton, but shoot very little. The funny thing about like a lot of the problems that the Magic have, and, and it's always weird to me when you're just having a conversation about the Magic, and whether it's you know on, on YouTube, like us talking about the pod and people commenting on our conversation, or if you're having a conversation with someone on Twitter and, and someone sees that interaction and wants to chime in with their opinion, which I always welcome, of course. But when they take it to let's stop making excuses for this team, like you know, talking about injuries, like it's it's kind of a catch-22 because to a certain extent, I do feel like there are things that the team can be doing better. We've talked about the rotations, some of the, the decisions to play one guy over another. We talked about Kavon Harris and RJ Hampton, right? And I know the coaching staff is very much limited by the guys that they have available. But the funny thing about a lot of the problems that we currently have, they at least should, in theory, be alleviated by guys coming back. We talk about guys getting open looks. Markel Fultz coming back. Yes, he is that good. 
Markel Fultz is that good at organizing the offense, getting people in their correct spots, navigating the floor. Even without a lot of spacing, he's able to draw attention to let guys, you know, sneak over and get an open corner three or to make a back cut, find Franz Wagner for an open layup, things like that. Markel is going to make a big difference in that regard. And then some of the you know, other things that we seem to be hamstrung by right now, for example, you know, if, if you're playing zone because you, you don't feel like Bull Bull can play man-to-man right now. And when you're playing zone, you're playing this jumbo lineup. So those guys aren't really great at closing out on corner three-point shooters, getting guys back like Gary Harris, like Jonathan Isaac, like Markel Fultz. That's going to alleviate some of those issues. So it's difficult because we're just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. At some point, getting some reinforcements really should help this team. But in the meantime, you know, there are still teams like the Houston Rockets that we should be beating. I think that's kind of the last point that I want to make on that. And we can talk more about this, this Dallas Mavericks game. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. So this Dallas Maverick, this Dallas Mavericks game um, at home against you know, our Magic on Wednesday night. First of all, just really weird because it was like, is this game going to get played with uh, Tropical Storm or Hurricane Nicole? However, that's being classified right now. That's coming in uh, basically tomorrow morning. Dallas flew in Tuesday afternoon, I believe. So this game got moved up from seven o'clock tip time. It was supposed to be to five thirty. So that got moved up. That was really, really weird. And then we find out uh, that Paolo Bancaro, who we saw, rolled the ankle towards the end of 
Monday's game against the Houston Rockets that he was questionable. We heard that early in the, earlier in the afternoon and that Kevon Harris was going to be out uh, with a left rib contusion. And then I think about an hour and a half before tip-off, we find out that Paolo Mancaro is going to be out and that essentially he's day-to-day right now with that sprained ankle. I didn't feel great about this game when we had Paolo Bancaro because we just lost to the Dallas Mavericks, you know, a couple of weeks ago in Dallas. And then Paolo's out. And you had even texted earlier in the day. You're like, we don't have Paolo tonight. Like, we most likely don't have a chance in this game. And to, like I read that and I didn't think twice about it because it made sense to me. So I didn't have a ton of expectations, you know, coming into this game. And I got really nervous that first first quarter. Uh, because Dallas, you know, they were knocking down their open threes to start this game, and they were getting a lot of the looks early on that Houston was getting. And we know that Dallas is a great offensive team. So I just thought to myself, let's not let Luka Doncic, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. and these other guys get it going like they did a, a couple of weeks ago for us. Uh, but credit to the Magic. You know, Franz Wagner played really well tonight. Wendell Carter Jr. played really well tonight. You know, guys uh, you know, off the bench, like you mentioned, Caleb Houston played really well. Mobamba played well. Chuma Okiki or OKK rather. I'm still getting used to that. I'm sorry, Chuma. Uh, these got he was inserted into that starting lineup. Uh, you know he played well uh, tonight as well. And the Magic really just throughout the first you know three and a half quarters did just enough uh, to stay in this game. And then guys, Chuma Okiki, Chuma OKK's defense. I don't know when I'm going to get that right. Chuma OKK's defense, Franz Wagner's defense on. Luka Doncic, um, and then Franz just you know making plays down the stretch offensively, and the Magic were able to win this game. It was super refreshing to see Franz Wagner play the way he played, not just during the game, but during crunch time of this game. There's a game recently, and forgive me, my memory is terrible, uh, but there was a game recently where down the stretch, Franz was very much turning the ball over very kind of irritating to say the least seeing him get handled by pressure that sort of thing don't get me wrong there are one or two occasions tonight where he gets doubled and he panics and throws the ball away he is not able to handle the pressure but all in all he was spectacular in this game i trusted him down the stretch because of plays that he was making just play after play knifing through the defense franz wagner is one of the most skilled players in the league, I'll say it, at getting to his spot as at the last possible second, getting the shot up and going off the glass with it or just making the shot in general from that spot. You remember like the, uh, it reminds me a lot of just like, just his way to work his way around. Reminds me, remember when LeBron in the playoffs, I'm not comparing Franz with LeBron, chill out. Remember when LeBron in the playoffs, made the game winner in the playoffs off glass. Franz, I feel like, could do that anytime he wanted. And that was respected as like an incredible shot by LeBron. Franz does that type of thing where, like I said, the last possible second, he flips it up when he has no more margin for error um, to even get the shot off for it to hit the backboard. He's incredible at that. So there's my rant about that part. But he did it so many times. He does it so many times throughout the season. And he also, in crunch time, hit the Dirk fadeaway that I was becoming annoyed with. So he redeemed himself tonight with the Dirk fadeaway. I think he's learning when and when not to use that shot. 
And I really think it's doing wonders for his productivity on the court. He has improved so much from the beginning of the season till now as the guy tonight was his chance with Palo out. Like he is undoubtedly the guy tonight and he got it done. It was really funny to me to see people tweeting about Franz tonight. Like so many people have been so excited about Paolo, but you've forgotten that like Franz is also him. And to me, I was like, nope, I I definitely did not forget what we saw last year, what we saw from him in Eurobasket this <laughs> summer. But the the most impressive thing for me with Franz, really the last you know handful of games here, is that yes, we talked about it in the preseason. We talked about it the you know the first I don't know six or seven games of the regular season with the 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 toll that he's been asked to carry offensively, bringing the ball up, initiating the offense. He just hadn't looked quite comfortable, and it seems like that part of the game is starting to slow down for him. I'm just so impressed. Obviously, this kid is what what is Franz? Twenty one years old at this point. Just how quickly when when this kid knows that he's not doing something well, how he's able to just focus and rapidly improve in that area. Like he was clearly frustrated the first few games of this season. And lately, he's just seems so much more comfortable, um, like organizing the offense over his last five games. Now he's averaging 23 points, 5.6 assists per game. He's shooting 56.8% from the floor. He's just been incredible. I mean, those are pretty close to, you know, the the numbers that Paolo has been averaging, you know, 23. I think Paolo's averaging just under four assists and and somewhere around, you know, 52% from the floor, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Paolo right now, sorry, the last five games, Paolo's at 25 points per game. If I look at the entire season for Paolo, 23 and a half points, 46%. So, I mean, the efficiency from Franz has just been that impressive the last handful of games. We have two guys who we've talked about this. Jamal Mosley is at times this season refused to stagger these guys. And the answer to that question might just be, these are going to be our guys down the stretch of games. We want to get them as many reps as possible together. And tonight it was paying dividends for Franz. Like you said, he was making the plays down the stretch to help them win this game. Now, what I will say is the magic played with more defensive effort tonight, more attention to detail killed Dallas on the glass out rebounded mm. Dallas let's see it was 25 to 45 so out rebounded them by 20 tonight but especially in that first half Dallas was still getting a lot of the same looks that Houston was for whatever reason tonight I mean Luka Doncic 2 of 11 from the three-point line they were 11 for 42 26 percent from behind the arc Sometimes it's just as simple as one team is hitting shots, the other team is not. But I still don't like the looks that opposing teams are getting against the Magic on a consistent basis. They need to fix that or it is going to hurt them in the long run. That being said, tonight they were not hitting shots. The Magic did everything that they needed to do to take advantage of of that and get the win. You can't hold that against the Magic. They're a young team. They got a big win at home against a team that everybody expects to make a deep deep playoff run and you know 11 12 games in whatever your team is Luka Doncic is the favorite for the MVP right now so big win for the Magic they're now two and two on this homestand on Friday they play the Phoenix Suns Sunday at home they play the Charlotte Horn or excuse me Monday at home they play the Charlotte Hornets and they close out this two week long seven game homestand Wednesday 
against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Before this homestand started, I said maybe they have a chance to go four and three. If they beat Phoenix on Friday, they have a real chance to go five and two on this homestand. And that would be massive, not only for the standings, but just for this team's confidence moving forward. Yeah, I, I'm not holding my breath. And granted, I was not holding my breath tonight about the game against Dallas. But the Suns right now are rolling the Timberwolves by 20. They're going to be eight and three rolling into Amway on Friday. Maybe we catch them looking ahead to the heat on Monday, but it, it is going to be a challenging game. But yes, to your point, absolutely. If the Magic can beat Phoenix, you are in prime position to close out the homestand on an incredibly high note, a note that the Magic need to end on, um, especially if you know we want to be in a good spot by the time we do get guys back, these are like you cannot let you cannot let go of the rope. You have to win games that you shouldn't necessarily win, like you did against Dallas tonight, and you have to beat the teams that you weren't really supposed that you are supposed to beat. So it will be interesting to see how it all rounds out at home. I can't believe the homestand is like what less than a week from being over. I feel like there are so many games and it's just over like that. But yeah, you you hope that you can do that. You beat Phoenix. You the Hornets are three and nine as well. I don't know if they play tonight. I'm sure they did. Uh, so this could be incorrect as of now, but they are three and nine currently. So we will see um, what the Magic are able to do. You beat the Suns, you beat the Hornets, and you roll into the Timberwolves. Your last game of the homestand, you're putting yourself in a really great spot considering the hole that was dug for ourselves to start the year. So I've got a stat here for you, Luke, and I want I want to get your thoughts on this. See what you think about this. So right now, again. Through 12 games, the Magic have played in 10, or I'm sorry, through 11 games. Uh, they have played in 10 games. Again, we talked about this earlier in the podcast. Uh, 10 games that have qualified for clutch minutes. They're first in the league. The Phoenix Suns have played in three such games, and they are tied for the lowest in the league with three games. To quote one of my current favorite football players, Kayvon Thibodeau of the New York Football Giants, Weeks ago, when the New York Giants played the Green Bay Packers in London, the Giants trailed the Packers for the majority of that game. After the game, after the Giants won that game, obviously, and you know uh, there was a, a big you know game-winning drive by Daniel Jones in, in the, the fourth quarter of that game, Kayvon Thibodeau was asked you know, what they were trying to accomplish in that game. And what Kayvon said was, we, we wanted to drag them out into deep waters and find out how well they could swim. And then we found out that they couldn't swim. Chances are, if we're just looking at statistical probability on this regular season so far, the chances are right now that this is going to be a close game for the Magic heading into the final five minutes of this game. The Magic this season have more experience in clutch games. They're going to drag the Phoenix Suns into deep water and find out if the Phoenix Suns can swim. So we'll see what happens there. Not saying they're going to win, but the Magic's best chance is to make that a very ugly, gritty game. Yeah, that's it's beautiful. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I hope that ages well. Um, I hope the Suns don't come in and just roll us by 30 and it's not even a game in the fourth. Oh man. Wow. You you managed to get the Giants in. And it was a great quote. I can't lie. 
We need a we need a Kayvon Thibodeau on our team. Have you seen Admiral Schofield? I, I think that's as close as we're going to get to a to a Kayvon Thibodeau there. And then Robert Sala, the coach of the of the Jets, used the same quote like a few weeks later. It clearly ripped off Kayvon Thibodeau. But anyways, uh, it's been really exciting homestand so far. You know, beating the Golden State Warriors, beating the Dallas Mavericks. But you're just going to look back at those games against the Kings, against the Houston Rockets, and like right now, the Magic should be four and zero on this homestand. Like the way that they've played so far, um, you should have beat the Houston Rockets. We've talked about that. You should have won that game against the Sacramento Kings. So this is the life of a of an Orlando Magic fan. You get really excited about the big wins, but then you look at the other games and you're like, we, we should have won those games too. So it, it is pretty frustrating. Luke, I know we talked about this just a little bit. You know, you you alluded to the fact that Caleb Houston was really good in this Mavericks game. You know, he plays 26 game uh, 26 minutes off the bench. 8 points, 3 of 5 from the floor, 1 of 2 from behind the arc. He hits a free throw in this game, uh adds two rebounds and an assist but was really solid defensively. To your point, you know, Caleb Houston came in and earned every bit of those 26 minutes. But RJ Hampton, you know, gets the DNP the other night against the Houston Rockets tonight. Um, plays eight minutes. I believe all of those eight minutes came in the first half. They did uh, in eight minutes, you know, two points, one of two from the floor uh, adds two assists and one block. He had a, a big chase down block. Uh, RJ Hampton with the highlight blocks. But RJ Hampton, in my opinion, has proven time and time again that he deserves to get these minutes as well. So I don't mean to take anything away from Caleb Houston. But it's frustrating as a fan because every time that RJ is on the floor, he's seemingly making a positive impact, even though that might not show up in his plus minus for this game. He was a minus seven you know, in eight minutes. Um, but RJ seems to be one of those guys on the bench unit that every time they make their way onto the floor, they're making an impact on both ends of the floor. And I don't know what it is with RJ Hampton. I guess if we're speaking pragmatically, it makes more sense to play RJ uh, to play Caleb Houston rather because you know he is signed for the next four years and they just uh, invested in him with the draft pick and, and signing him to the contract. And we, as we know, the Magic did not pick up the final year of RJ Hampton's rookie contract. So I guess it kind of makes sense. But if I'm, I feel for RJ Hampton. I I wish he was on the floor because I feel like he could be helping this team win. Um, but if I'm RJ Hampton, I'm super frustrated right now. I think I th- I think RJ Hampton is gone by deadline. Um the the writing's on the wall for him. The team has made their decisions. He had that weird you know that not necessarily weird, maybe weird to us, but maybe not weird to the 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 company, but RJ Hampton departs from the agency. Magic don't pick up his option. He's not playing many minutes. Like does this scream to you a guy that is is going to be on the team past deadline i think at this point and if he is on this team past deadline and he's only playing nine minutes that's like nine minutes a game here and there and getting dmps it is criminal to keep him on this roster um if he is as good and improved as much as i think that he has up to this point i think compared to last year the way i talk about rj from last year to this year is worlds of difference i think he's matured He's improved. I don't know what the stats say, but he's improved around the rim to me. Um, It used to be that he was just out of control last year, and I did not trust him even on a fast break. Tonight, his lone bucket came on a really tough, contested shot, uh, I believe, in the paint. So 
it is just it sucks to see that this is how it's going to play out for RJ Hampton. It just makes the most sense to me. I think that if you're trying to win games, RJ Hampton's on the court. If it's not all up to contract and if you picked up his option, if you plan on trading him, it's the business at the end of the day. And if the business doesn't want much to do with you, they don't set you up to succeed. And and that's what we're seeing right now. Um, it's unfortunate, but it's kind of feels like it's just the likelihood by the time the trade deadline comes around. I reading what I'm reading right now is, is very frustrating to me. When I read this to you, I think you're going to be equally as frustrated. So you're talking about his finishing around the rim and whether or not he's improved in that area. I pulled up cleaning the glass right now and I'm looking at RJ Hampton's uh, shooting accuracy. So in terms of his effective field goal percentage, uh, 65.3% effective field goal percentage, according to cleaning the glass, which ranks RJ 95th percentile amongst all guards. Finishing around the rim, now it's a small sample size. It's six attempts so far on the season. I don't know if this is accounting for tonight's game, but he is finishing around the rim at an 83% clip, which again is good for the 95th percentile amongst guards. Uh, He's shooting 50% on corner threes, 57% on non-corner threes. He's shooting 56% overall on all three-point attempts, which ranks him in the 100 percentile for all guards. Last year, he shot 49% at the rim, which was the 22nd percentile for all guards. Small sample size, again, six attempts is not a lot to go off of, but those numbers do indicate that he has at least improved somewhat finishing around the rim. So what your eyes are telling you may very well be true, and it's just unfortunate for RJ. If he's traded by the deadline, I feel like I would be a little bit surprised. I haven't really thought about it all that much. But to me, if you haven't committed to him past this year, you don't seem like you're very committed to continuing his development right now. He's not getting a ton of minutes. The writing is on the wall that you don't have a long-term plan for RJ Hampton. So rather than letting him go this offseason for nothing, trade him and, and get anything that you can, whether that be a second-round pick. I think he's worth at least that. I think a, a team can look at the film you know, mm-hmm. through what is it, 11 games now, and, and take a look at RJ and say, you know, this is a kid who deserves to be on a roster through 12 games now, excuse me, should be able to look at RJ and say, this kid has got something. And there's a team out there that I think will find minutes for him and you know, maybe even consider him a, a piece that they can build on, not build around, but see if there's something there and see if they can turn him into a rotational player. This time last year, I had questions on whether or not RJ Hampton was going to be a, an NBA player long-term in this league. But it seems like he's improved in the areas that he's needed to improve in, you know, especially decision-making and ball handling. We know he's a solid defender. We know he's a good three-point shooter. RJ Hampton is an NBA player, and he is going to find a home somewhere, and he's going to be you know, a solid rotation player as long as he finds the right situation, I think. Yeah. Um, obviously, you touched on his shooting like corner threes and specific spots on the court. He's not just shooting 50% or whatever it was from corner threes. He's shooting just 50% flat from three right now in two attempts a game and his limited minutes that he's getting. Don't get me wrong. As val- as volume increases, your averages decrease. And that's what just like logic shows us. But um, that being said, I-, I think RJ Hampton could be a, a 
39, 40% three point shooter given the minutes. We'll see how it plays out, but I have a feeling that I already know how it plays out. And, and like I said, it sucks. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, 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 it is a business. Yeah. I mean, I think if he's not getting minutes on this team at this point with all these guys out, he's definitely not going to be getting minutes when Markel comes back, Gary Harris. So unfortunately for RJ, it seems like the writing is, is kind of on the wall. And if I'm him, you know, I'm super frustrated about that, but it seems like he's going to be on another team at, at some point in the not too distant future, whether that be next season or later on in this season. Um, but it just sucks, sucks for RJ Hampton. And again, I do feel like he could, you know, help this team play better than we currently are. I think he's just better than Kevon Harris. That that's my opinion. But uh, Luke, I think that is just about going to do it for us uh, for this episode. Again, we talked about this at the beginning of the episode, but coming up on the 18th, November 18th, that is a Friday starting at 7:30. We're going to be at Ollie's downtown Orlando. That is 3400. Edgewater Drive. Make sure you guys come out and hang out with us. Uh, there's going to be Michelob Ultra Specials. It's going to be a great time. We had so much fun at the last watch party. Believe me and take my word for it. If you don't ever listen to anything that I've said on this podcast, you do not want to miss this watch party because it's going to be a great time. So looking forward to that. Uh, but that is going to do it for us for this episode. For Luke Sylvia, this has been Jonathan Osborne. You guys are listening to The Six Man Show and we will catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Sixth Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps out the show a lot. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Sixth Man Show. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic! For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.